You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a seat, y'all. How we doing? Obviously, I'm not Pastor Chris. How are you guys doing? I'm Scott Weatherford. Pastor Chris asked me to come and, and preach. You know, he's on a sabbatical right now. And uh, he gave me a really interesting topic. He said, Pastor, I want you to come and talk about the benefits of balance. Now, I want to say this right off before I get in this talk. There's no such thing as balance. Okay, and I'll explain more in a second. But I'm Scott Weatherford. I've been a pastor for 41 years. My wife, Tara, is here. She's right there. Tara, wave your hand at them. She loves that. She loves being called out. She, you're going, how much younger is she than, than I am? Ain't none of your business, okay? <laughs> We've been married 41 years, and if you were that well taken care of, you'd look that good too. I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> so I, I love this girl. We've been on this adventure for a long, long time. I recently was the pastor of First Baptist Wimberley. I've stepped out of that role. I'm coaching and consulting uh, pastors all across the United States. Last week... Uh, Sunday, I preached in Denver, Colorado. Yeah, it was 39 degrees Monday, uh, Tuesday morning in Denver. So I was, uh, does that sound good? It was horrible. It was raining and nasty, and I was not prepared. Uh, bless God for Texas and some good old summertime heat. Um, next week, I will be, uh, actually, this is my schedule next week. I leave tomorrow, and I go to Victoria. Then I go to Belton, Texas, where Tara and I are going to plant a new church. Hey, I'm 63 years old, and we're going to plant a new church. Is that crazy or what? Yeah, so that is crazy, but that's all right. I'd rather be crazy for Jesus than just plain old crazy. And then on on Thursday, I fly to Tampa. I'm meeting with a group that's starting a new seminary. And then on Saturday, I fly to Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I'll be there for a week uh, helping a church there. And then after that, I have nothing to do. Isn't that great? It's actually, I've got a few other things this summer, but just wear you out. But, but Chris called me a few months ago and said, will you come to LaGrange, Texas? And I am so honored to be here. So honored to be here. And I know that God has something for you today that's really going to change your heart and life. A little more history about Tara and I. We have two kids, uh, Caleb and Kayla. One lives in Austin. One lives in New Braunfels. Uh, Kayla is our daughter married to John. And they have the best things. And that's our granddaughters. You know, grandkids are so great, I wish I had them first, right? Yeah. You got to remember, parents, grandchildren are the reward for not killing your children, okay? <laughs> so they're great. They're two little girls, uh, seven and soon to be five. Uh, she'll be five in August, so uh, Ivy and Lily. Uh, we are just delighted to be here. Now, you know what? Us guys, we find our identity by what we do. Right, guys? That's what we do. That, I'm talking about men. I played golf on Monday with some guys in Colorado. Gorgeous golf course. Colorado is short on oxygen, though, so we need to pray for them. The altitude, just like we're playing about 7,000 feet altitude. Ball goes a long way, but your lungs don't fill up adequately. And I cannot tell you anything about the guys I played golf with. I don't know. I know their names. Um, Rob, I know Rob pretty well. He's a pastor I was working with. I know him well. Other two guys, Jason and John, don't know Jason's last name, have no clue. Uh, don't know if he's married, don't know if he has kids, don't know what he does for a living. And it's okay, because I'm a guy. I don't care. Y'all ever, ever notice when guys talk to each other, they don't look in each other's eyes? You ever notice that? 
They stand, they look at the ground, they kick the imaginary dirt clods when they're talking to each other. Now, girls, you get your identity from your relationships. Uh, because, you know, guys, it's just not relationships, it's about vocation, about task, about, you know, this, that, and the other. Girls now, girls can spend four hours with another girl and know everything about them. And it drives my wife crazy. I'll come home and she said, did you meet so-and-so? Yeah. What do they do? I don't know. They have kids? I don't know. They married? I don't know. I don't know. Now, some of y'all are judging me right now, aren't you? (laughs) Some of you are really relating to me right now. But the whole process is this. God wants me to know him and get my identity from him and not my relationships or my vocation. He wants me to know him. Now, and I could say, well, I'm a surfer. Well, I used to be a surfer. I grew up on the beach in Florida. I surfed until about six years ago. The Save the Wells people kept pushing me back out to sea, so I quit, quit surfing. <laughs> then uh, I used to play softball, did that till my knees, you know, blew out. And I, I hunt. In fact, uh, we're selling our house right now and uh, about to move from Wimberley to Belton. And I, uh, Tara made me clean out my hunting gear. And I looked in this box, and I had all this insulated stuff because we used to live in Canada. And when you hunted in Canada, you were always hunting something warm. And you thought about when you kill something, you were going to cut it open and call in the carcass because you're freezing to death. Uh, that's kind of gross, sorry. That's Canadian, sorry. It's kind of like, bless your heart. It really doesn't mean that. But, you know, I was cleaning this out. I said, well, I'm a hunter. I'm a softball player. I'm a surfer. I'm a fisherman. I, I, but I'm more than that. I'm more than that. Um, but one thing I realize is, is that God has created me in his image and he wants me to bear his image and live in his image and find my identity from him. And I'm leading all this up to this. His image is one of creativity, is of community, a purpose, of vocation, and of play. Recreation. Huh. See, most of us, when we think of God, we don't really think about play. We think about legalism. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't go, don't dance, don't go with women who do, right? We think about that, especially if you're like me, you're a recovering Baptist. You know, so you have to kind of get over some of this stuff you grew up with. You know, the legalism and all that stuff. I'm not being critical, I just, I just understand it. Um, so I really don't think about God and creativity and play. But when I start studying scriptures, I realize that God's creativity it is play really manifests itself in creation. That God is so creative that He plays through creation. He just He enjoys it. He speaks and worlds come into being. I mean, look at this stage. I mean, tonight's vacation Bible school, and they're doing a, this underwater theme. So I wore this shirt. Looks like Costa Rica threw up on it. I wore this shirt to kind of match the the ambiance. Actually, I didn't know the ambiance. This is what the shirt I wore. It works, right? So I think about the beauty that God created and the, the underwater beauty and the, we tried to replicate it here. And they did a pretty good job of that. Uh, but we don't think about it that way. But listen to this. Psalm 8, it says this. When I look at the night skies and see the work of your fingers, actually in Hebrew, it says your finger play. Your finger play. It's what it literally means in Hebrew. Hebrew is a language of word pictures. When you study the language, you see that it's creating a visual image. I see God's finger play. The moon, the stars you set in place, and all of this. And he goes and says, what is man that you're mindful of him? 
that you would create him. If we understand that language, we understand that God is a creative God. God is a God who works in rhythms and seasons, and one of those is rest and recreation and through play. But I also want you to see this. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? That's Isaiah 53.1. I want to give you this kind of this position. Creation is his finger play. In Psalm, excuse me, in Isaiah 53.1, he's introducing, Isaiah's introducing God's plan of salvation. And he says, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And he says he grew up like a tender shoot and he, he bore our transgressions and our sorrows and by his stripes were healed. He's talking about the salvation that Jesus did for us on the cross. You know what he's literally saying? God rolled up his sleeves because his plague was creation, but his work is salvation. His hard work is salvation. And guys, you know when you're about to change a tire or deal with an animal or wash dishes, Guys, roll up your sleeves. And he reveals his powerful arms to you, to salvation. So we're looking at this, the season of God and the personality of God and the person of God. And so why do I share this with you? Why do I share this with you? Because God wants you to have a full and meaningful life, and you're not going to find it other than finding him and living in him in that, in his care. Jesus said it this way. The thief. Now, who's the thief? Y'all know who the thief is? Satan. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Now, another translation says a full and meaningful life, which I like both of those. But that rich and satisfying, that God didn't put you here to be miserable and then die. He put you here that you might enjoy and live and thrive in him. You know, this life is just preparation for the next life. And God wants you to enjoy life now. Uh, I talk to a lot of pastors every week. And um, any Aggies in the room? Yeah, I knew that would happen. Okay. And uh, any Longhorns in the room? Okay. Yeah, oh, horns down. Yeah. Okay. Baylor Bears? Okay. <laughs> Recovery ministry meets on Thursday nights. No, I'm just kidding. I chase all that to say, say, say this, that God does these things that he wants us to have the enjoyment of life. Aggies say, give them, but what I tell pastors, give them heaven. Give them heaven. University of Texas says, what starts here changes the world. No, it doesn't. What starts here, Cross Point Church in LaGrange, changes eternity. Changes eternity. So this life is preparation for the next life. So how do we get ready? How do we do that? And I've been asked you to, to, today, and Chris gave me a tough assignment. He says, talk about the importance of rest. Talk about the importance of, of play, of creation, uh, of being creative. Talk about that. So today I want to wade into the theology of rest, the theology of play, the theology of recreation, of finding a rich and satisfying life that Jesus has intended for you to live. And to literally go out and play. All for Jesus. Are you all ready? Father, thank you for what you're going to say.
today, and I pray that you speak through me. That not be my words, but your words, my, not my thoughts, but your thoughts. Not my direction, but your direction. Not my conviction, but your conviction. That will lead these people to make decisions today that change the destinies of their lives. That they might live all for you, King Jesus. So thank you for what you're going to say and what you're going to do. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. Now, if you're a note taker, go ahead and take something you take notes on your phone, your tablet, a piece of paper, or your amazing memory, and take some notes. Here's the first thing I want you to get, okay? Debunk the ballots myth. Debunk the ballots myth. Now, we hear this all the time. Well, you just have to have a balanced life. Have you heard that? Has anybody ever achieved a balanced life? No. What about a balanced diet? Now, you look at me, and you know, obviously, yeah, I balance everything. It's always a lot to eat it, right? Now, it, it, uh, there's this advertisement on this news channel I watch. I'm not going to tell you the, the news channel, Fox News, that I watch. They're always talking about these pills. If I take them, I'm going to find the balance of nature. And I want to yell at the TV screen, no, I'm not, because I'm going to eat five donuts with those three pills. <laughs> and so how do I find the balance? Now, listen to what Solomon said, the wisest man in all the world. He says this, for everything, there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to, to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace, a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. I like that. Does anybody say, why are you wasting time? I'm fulfilling scripture. <laughs> throw it away time. A time to tear down and a time, a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Okay, this is it. This scripture clearly shows you there are seasons and rhythms of life, not balance. That we all have seasons and rhythms of our life. Now, this is classic Hebrew logic, this little word picture thing on Hebrew. Then Hebrew is a language of pictures, but also it's a, it's a, it's a logical based. Well, they'll say one thing and then repeat it, then reiterate it. You'll see that throughout the Old Testament. Uh, something will be said, and then a counterposition will be offered, and another one repeated. In the New Testament, it's called a chiasm, where there's a chiastic structure. A, structure, a thought, an explanation, a, a explanation of the thought, then a reverberation of the thought. And you see that happen. And this is classic, what Solomon is doing here. He's giving you the juxtapositions of seasons of life. Now, why do I say all that to you? Because you need to realize that life has its seasons. We talk about balance. God talks about rhythm. Talks about rhythm. Achieving balance is impossible and unrealistic. Living in the rhythms of life, the rhythms that God has for you, causes you to thrive. Causes you to thrive in your life. Now I want you to think about this. When you're a a young person, a a teenager, um, you got the seasons of study, the seasons of preparation, the seasons of friendship, the seasons of courtship. Those things change. You become a young adult. When you become a young married couple, I mean, you're, you're, oh, you know, in the, caught up in the mystery of love. Caught up in the mystery of love. And then, then you start to have kids. And kids are the enemy to your marriage. You know, those little rascals come along. They want to do things like eat. 
you know, and cry and take up time. And then they get older and they take your money. And then when you're old, you have to remember that you have adult children and they're more complicated than your little children and they're more expensive than your little children. And you're only as happy as your most miserable child. (laughs) Just seasons and rhythms. I heard about this old couple. They've been married a long, long time. And they were in the later seasons of their marriage. And they got in bed one night and the woman said to the man, honey. You don't snuggle me like you used to. And so he moans and groans and rolls over and snuggles up against her. And said, honey, you don't whisper sweet nothings in my ear like you used to. And he's trying to think, what in the world do I used to tell this woman? He finally thought of some things he whispered in here. He said, honey, you don't nibble on my neck like you used to. He gets up and gets out of bed. She goes, honey, where are you going? She said, to get my teeth. <laughs> Seasons come and go, right? But God is consistent. God stays the same. Why in the world do I have a Tommy Bahama ad come up on my iPad? Your internet just... Maybe it's because I have a Tommy Bahama shirt on. This thing is possessed. That's all I can say. Okay. Finding God's rhythm then is natural and life-giving. So I need to become a student of rhythms. And that would include, get this, a season of rest. A season of rest. When I understand God's rhythms, I don't try to achieve balance. I adjust my life to God's rhythm. Now, how do I do that? And I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But I want to talk about music for a second. Um, I have a few degrees, and one of them is in in music, in voice performance. I studied to be uh, an opera singer. I went to Florida State where I studied classical music and opera. I'd be singing opera today had it not been for talent. It was also a joke. (laughs) But I understand music, classically trained music. I will tell you something. You musicians today lit it up. They were amazing, all for Jesus. Amazing. So thank you. I mean, I I go to a lot of churches, and the music today is probably as good as any place, or maybe better, better than most places. So good on you guys. Great job. And you girls brought it. I mean, brought it. In fact, I told you, get it, girls, one time when you were singing. It was good. Now, understanding this, okay, in music, rest are important because it pauses dramatically. Sometimes so you can catch your breath. It's there intentionally. A good composer writes rest in intentionally. God wants you to write rest into your life intentionally. Do you know one of the biggest industries right now in the United States is for sleep? Mattresses that adjust and keep you cool and keep you hot. I'm looking for the mattress that will just rotate me like a big chicken. You know, just kind of. Rotate me. That's a visual image you probably don't want, okay? But it's a big deal. Rest is a big deal. But when you rest in the Lord, you're revitalized. How do I do that? Okay, here's some, here's some things. Write these out. Here's the first thing. You have to delight in God. You have to delight in Him. Delight in Him. Listen to this. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you what? What will He give you? Your heart's desire. You know what? You know what God does? 
Would I delight in him? He changes my heart. Did you notice this? That Jesus never spoke to people's politics. He never spoke to their dysfunction or their sin. He talked to their heart. Because he knew when the heart changed, everything changes. Everything changes. And when I delight in the Lord, he makes my desires his desires and his desires my desires. And I can delight myself in him. Do you know what it means to delight? This is what it means to delight. <gasps> yes. Do you know some people you see and you go, oh, yes. Do some people like that? I mean, when we go see our little granddaughters, they don't know any better. They come running and go, oh, Papa Gigi. <gasps> yes. And I, I look at Tara and said, why don't you greet me like that when I come home? <laughs> it's that delight, that delight in the Lord. And that's what God wants you to do. Listen, I will tell you, you delight in him by spending time with him. So in the rhythm of your life, find time to spend with the Lord every day. To pray, and to read his word, to journal, to practice disciplines. Why do you do that? I want to tell you this, okay? Because he wants you to delight in him. I mean, there's another reason, too. When I spend time with Jesus, I'm a blessing to people around me. Jesus doesn't love me more because I spend time with him. But he makes me more loving when I spend time with him. So I can be a better husband and a better dad, a better pastor, a better friend. Because I delight in him. And then I have to do this. I have to surrender to him. Now, this word surrender, it's hard for us Texans. Come and take it. Right? But God wants you to surrender. You know what the word surrender really means? To join the winning side. So I'm going to surrender myself. Paul said it this way. I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me, and the life I now live is by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. I'm a dead man. I'm going to delight in God, but I'm going to surrender to him. When I delight in him, I find his rhythm. When I surrender to him, I find his joy. And he starts working in my life. Then I commit everything I do for him as an act of worship. Everything I do is an act of worship. Now here in the last kind of 20, 25 years of the church, we stole the word worship to mean only music. But musicians will tell you it's more than just singing. It's more than playing. Even though we express ourselves beautifully in worship, but we need to worship. I love, I love what our leader said today. Don't let a rock out sing you. That was good. I don't know if y'all heard him say that. He said that way. Yeah, you get it, brother. That's right. Ain't no rock going to outdo me. We'll make that rock roll. You know what I'm saying? Because this flock likes to rock. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but here's the deal. Everything I do is an act of worship. Whatever you do or say, it's do as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to him through God the Father. That's Colossians 3.17. You see, I, then I don't get my identity from what I do. I don't get my identity by who, to whom I'm connected. I get my identity from God because I'm delighting in him and I'm surrendering to him and I'm worshiping him with everything I do. I get it from God. Now, what's the problem? Problem sin. And we're all good at it. Started back in the garden. Satan whispers to the man and the woman, actually to the woman. He said, if you eat this fruit that God told you not to eat, your eyes will be open and you will be a God. So she ate the fruit. 
Her eyes were open. She wasn't a god. She was a sinner. Then what she do? She turns around and gives it to the man. He eats it. And they both realize they're naked, so they cover themselves up. God comes along. You know, it's stupid to play hide-and-seek with God. Did you know that? And God knows the answers before you ask, right? He's, he, knows, he knows the answers. Before he asks the question, he already knows the answers. Kind of like Border Patrol, he already knows what you're going to say. Believe me, I lived in Canada for five years. I crossed the border a lot. I brought apples in from Washington once, and they lost their minds. I said, they came from Washington. They're just like right there. But anyway, my ADD moment. That the man, God says, where are you? The man goes, well, we realized we're naked. God said, who told you we were naked? You ate the fruit, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, ate the fruit. So why'd you eat the fruit? Well, that woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. The woman goes, yeah, but that snake you gave me, he gave me the fruit, told me I could eat it. And the snake, he didn't have a leg to stand on. So, you know, he just kind of. Another joke. Yeah, okay. Yeah, slow. It's bad. But, you know, we always want to blame somebody else for our stuff. Always want to blame somebody else for our stuff. And when we find God and we live life in him, and then it changes who who are. So now here's the curse. God said, you know, man, you're going to try to find your identity through what you do. and It's not going to work. Women, you're going to try to find your identity through through your relationships. And you're going to get frustrated with that guy because he's not going to relate to you like he once did because he's going to be preoccupied with work. And you're going to be preoccupied with wanting him to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And he ain't going to do it. So you're going to fuss and fight with him. And that's what's going to happen. And it's all because of sin. And Jesus came to break sin. To break the curse. So you can live in freedom. When I find Jesus, I find life. And I can surrender to live in his balance, his rhythm. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. So what does this have to do with anything? I'm going to give you some tips. I find my rhythm in knowing and loving Jesus. I find my life in loving and knowing Jesus. I no longer try to find my life through my vocation. Yeah, I've been a pastor for what, for 41 years. You think Jesus is impressed with that? He goes, oh, yeah, Pastor Scott. No. He probably goes, oh, Pastor Scott, oh, hey. You know, he's Jewish, oh, hey, you know. What's he impressed with? That I'm with Jesus. So I no longer try to find my identity through my vocation or my relationships. I find it through him. And I, and I discover that I'm shaped to serve Jesus. And I'm shaped to enjoy Jesus. In fact, when I was writing this talk, it inspired me. You say, you know what? I think I just work too much. I need to play a little bit more. I played golf for the first time in a year this past week. And, and loved it. Of course, Play golf and hunting are the same thing for me. But I played, I played golf and I loved it. And the thing is, I, I, I could find rhythm in him and I feel guilty about it. Do you guys have an iPhone? Do you know that dadgum thing will tell you how long you spend on it every week? Isn't that annoying? Do you ever look at it and go, oh my gosh. 
You know, you feel guilty, you feel the shame, you want to cover it up, want to delete that. But here's the deal. When I'm, when I'm, who cares what the iPhone says? If I'm watching Pastor Scott on YouTube, then it's good. I'm, no. Who cares? So it changes me that I rest and I work and I play because of the rhythm of my life. And I'm grounded in Jesus. I can enjoy my family. I can enjoy you guys. We drove uh, two hours this morning across Texas to come be with you and enjoyed it. And looked how different it is in LaGrange than it is in the Hill Country. It's both beautiful. Y'all get a heck of a lot more rain than we do. That's all I can tell you. Bless God for that. This dry as a Baptist preacher over in the Hill Country right now. <laughs> But just that joy of leaning in and finding that, that life in Christ, I enjoy the benefits. I can deal with stress. I want to tell you something about a brain study. Okay, this is interesting. I found it interesting. Your brain, basically, you have four brains. You have the frontal lobe of your brain, which is all about survival. You have the back lobe of your brain, which is all about your mobility or your physical movement. There's the middle layer of your brain that's all about your self-identification your understanding of who you are, your self-esteem, that you have the top part of your brain, which is all about your logic. Most of us forget about that third layer. And we live on the fourth layer, and we stay stressed because we overthink, overanalyze. You want to deal with anxiety? Go out and play. You want to deal with depression? Go out and play. Find some people to enjoy life with. And I, I'm not saying that if you have to take medicine, that's wrong. I'm not saying that at all. It's not a sin to be sick, y'all. It's a sin not to care for the sick and to make fun of the sick. Did you know that? When the church started telling the truth about mental health, things would get different. But you could just really find that joy in the Lord in the third part of that brain. Third part of that brain. Studies have proven with preschoolers. If you let them play, they're all going to read by the time they get to be seven. Just because a kid can read at four means nothing because the time they're seven, they're all going to catch up. Most of them. But if you let them play, they'll learn how to deal with anxiety and stress and social order and be set for life rather than looking at flashcards. Huh. God made your brain. To rest in him. Wow. So I enjoy the benefits. The stress. You lean into my relationships and drink deeply. I can even tell people about Jesus. Because of the joy he brings in me. Do you know what? I've quit sharing my faith. I share my hope. I share the hope I found in Jesus. I'm about to launch on my Facebook page. A year long. 52 weeks of hope. Well, I'll be preaching on hope uh, every week on my face. Scott Weatherford, you can just look it up. And, and talk about hope, how Jesus gives us hope. I don't balance then. I live in rhythm. And I stop keeping score. And I let God do the work in my life. I understand that there's seasons for work. And gosh, this next, this next week is a season of work for me. But I'm going to find some joy in there. Because I'm going to divert every day. I want to find a diversion. I want to spend time with the Lord every day. I want to find a diversion every day. I might start playing Candy Crush again every day. All for Jesus. I'm doing this for Jesus. 
I'm going to, I'm going to withdraw every week. You know, my wife Tara, she's a preschool teacher, and uh, she's off on Fridays, and I'm usually off on Fridays, and that's our play day. That's the day when we go on an adventure. I'll say to her, hey, you want to go on an adventure? All of our adventures usually end up at Costco, but do you want to go on an adventure? <laughs> it's the greatest store ever. Do you want to go on an adventure? And, and then uh, do we need anything from Costco? Does it matter? We're going to go to Costco. And it's just this, this adventure uh, that we, we get to live on. And now she's not teaching. She's on summer break. Every day is an adventure. So we're going to withdraw. We can, we're going to abandon annually. We're going to skid away. We're going to get away. And I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy life and its rhythm. You know, with my grandkids, I'm going to be all in. With her, Tara, I'm going to be all in. With you guys, when I come to LaGrange, and I probably never get to come back, but when I, if I do get to come back, I'm going to enjoy the rhythm of being in LaGrange. Because we're going to enjoy the rhythm of life. Why? Because Jesus came to give me an abundant life. And you an abundant life. So I'll work hard, I'm going to play hard, I'm going to rest well, I'm going to love deeply, and everything I'm going to do is going to be all for Jesus. What about you? You know, the first thing I have to do is give my life to him. The second thing I have to do is remember I gave my life to him. Then I get to live all for Jesus. What about you? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. What you said to us this morning in your word, and I pray, Father, that um, we won't just walk out of here the same, but we will be forever reminded and changed that you're the Lord, you're the great conductor of the symphony of our life, including the crescendos, including the rest. And that we will live in the pianissimo of your quietness. As you move in our hearts and we live all for you. Father, I think there's some in this room that need to give their life to you. They need to pray this prayer. Jesus, I'm yours. Forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And I'm going to live for you. Father, I know that everyone in this room needs to pray this. Jesus, let me remember you're the Lord of my life. And I'm going to live and thrive in your rhythm. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.